Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantine Kissing. And this is a show for you if you're bored with people arguing on the internet over subjects they know nothing about. At Trigonometry, we don't pretend to be the experts, we ask the experts. Our fantastic guest this week is a broadcaster and stealth-styled goddess, India Willoughby. Welcome to Trigonometry. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, thank you very much for being it's a, here. It's an absolute pleasure. We're stoked, to be honest with you. Thank you, Francis. Thank yeah. you, Constantine. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Listen, for anyone who doesn't know you, we obviously know everything <clears throat> about you. That's why we, we're great, grateful <clears throat> that you're here. Uh, tell people, who are you? What's been your journey through life? How have you come to be sitting in the chair that you're sitting in today? Well, I'm a newsreader, but my claim to fame is that I transitioned. So I was... Um, I ended up becoming the world's first transgender newsreader. That was for Channel 5 News, which mm. I did for a year. Um, I did Celebrity Big Brother. And now I go on all of the talk shows, such as Loose Women, Good Morning Britain with Piers and Susanna, and any other show that will have me really. <laughs> and I talk about anything, though it seems to be predominantly trans stuff. That's the topic that keeps coming up because that's the box that I live in. Mm. Yeah. Well, we, we've put you right in that box because that's uh, that's what we want to talk about. But you know, honestly speaking, it's it's obviously a big issue right mm. now. It's an issue everyone's it's talking about. It's such a hot topic. Yeah. Forget about Brexit. It's all, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's all about sexit at the moment, isn't it? You know, this is the big topic. Well, the country's transitioning, if you think about it. It is. You're through a transitional yeah. period. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. But it, but it has become a, a big a big issue. And, and a lot of people will say it's something that affects a small small group of people. Mm. But it, there are some repercussions for, you know, people talk about women's spaces and all that stuff yeah. we'll get into. The reason that you're the, our first guest to talk about this, and we've been going for over a year, or almost a year now, and we've tried to stay away from it because it's it's complicated. It's because you're scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's yeah. what the YouTube comments are going to be. You're scared. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, it's Constantine's Russian upbringing. Yeah. Can I just say, say, ask me absolutely. That's what we're going to. Yeah, do. that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Don't tip me to around language yeah. either. Just ask me whatever you but, want. But to. but it's it's a point that you're making about being scared because mm. I'm scared in the way that. I'm terrified I'm going to say the wrong thing. Mm. Or, you and probably are. Yeah, yeah, I will. With your voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You and then this <laughs> accent, everything <laughs> sounds prejudiced. But <laughs> it is, you, you just fear that, you know, because, you know, when you were brought up, there were, you were told there were two genders. There were yeah. male and there were female. And that's how it was. Boys had this. Women had this. And then, you know, a few years ago, people were like, well, there's more than one gender. Yeah. And you're like, okay, right, is there? And then, you know, <laughs> apparently there's 60 genders. Yeah. And I'm like... And then it all it's makes confusing, you, isn't it? It's confusing. Yeah. Mate, it's more than 60. Stop being a bigot. <laughs> <laughs> it's growing all the time. Yeah. But listen, here, here's why we wanted to speak to you, because we never wanted to discuss the trans issue with any of these screaming loons on mm. either extreme. Mm. You know, there, yeah. And there, are, and there people, are plenty on both and there sides. Are plenty yeah. on both yeah. sides. And I remember seeing you on, on Good Morning Britain talking about it in a way that I actually went, okay, well, first of all, this person clearly knows what they're talking mm. about. And also they're coming at it from a sane angle. Right. So obviously one of the, the crucial points in this conversation now is the fact that you have trans women competing uh, in sports, right, against cisgender women. For anyone who doesn't know cisgender, is someone who was born mm. female and is female, right? And you, what is your view on that for anyone who, who hasn't seen it? Well, well, my view, controversially as far as trans people are concerned, mm is that I don't think you can actually get away from the fact that if you've been through a male puberty, mm. the chances are, not guaranteed, but the chances are that you are going to be taller, bigger, have a longer reach, uh, a greater stride, all of these elements that will come into play mm -hmm. if you're playing a sport. And I would divide it into two areas, the sport. I, th I think, obviously, in terms of keeping fit and having fun and recreational, then I don't think there's a problem. If everyone's happy to accommodate people into that environment, then great. But I think there is a distinction when it's professional sport at the highest level, because to reach, you know, the Olympic Games or a national championships in a particular sport, the chances are you're going to have to have devoted your whole life to achieving that mm. standard, building yeah. up the strength, the agility, the skill, etc. And what we have now, we have transgender athletes on the female side, uh, 
um, who have gone through male puberty, who have been athletes as guys, and they've been sort of middling. Mm. Mediocre. You know, they've they've been okay, and they've maybe finished sort of fifth or sixth. But now that they've moved into the, the women's area, you know, they're winning. Yeah. They're coming top, not consistently. And mm. this is the important thing mm. to say. It doesn't always happen. I think there was one year, actually, uh, when Paula Radcliffe was in a pomp. Mm. She was actually the fastest long distance runner in Britain, bar none. Mm. You know, wow. relevant of being female compared to the men. Mm. So it doesn't always work that way but i i think there is a difference and to say as some trans people such as rachel mckinnon Mm. who's probably the best known person um pushing this argument at the moment uh for those who don't know she's a a cyclist who uh did compete before her transition and uh, you know finished fifth or sixth i would say but she's won a couple of high profile races since Mm. moving into the, the the women's side of sports um Now, Rachel's view is that testosterone has zero effect on performance. um, And it's the same with skeletal structure. She would argue that some women can be six foot four, which is true. Mm. You know, I've seen um, Chinese basketball players, Mm. for instance, who tower over everybody else. But they are anomalies. Mm. Um, and yeah, you do get anomalies just across humankind. But I think if you're going to have sport, and Rachel does want to keep the distinction between men and women mm. in sport, so mm. she does want those two separations going off. If you actually argue that testosterone makes no difference to how you perform as an athlete um, or going through a particular puberty, then aren't you really saying that there's no need to have a male and female mm-hmm. division? Yeah. You're just saying that we are all the same. Yeah. So why doesn't Rachel just say, instead of saying, I need to compete in the women's division, why doesn't she just argue, if that's how she feels, for open sports, you know, that men should be competing against women? And I think that's where the little bit of hypocrisy creeps in mm. with her argument. If she felt that it did make no difference whatsoever, she'd be quite happy to compete against the guys. Yeah. And it's also as well, if testosterone made no difference, and why is it on the banned list of substances? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, there is, there is one difference um, in terms of testosterone. So you, you have your, your natural testosterone mm. that your, your body uh, mm. creates. And you do get instances between the two genders where they're different. I mean, we're sitting here now... And if we had, um, you know, some lab technicians in, there's a chance that you could actually have higher particular hormone than I could have. We're not necessarily, everybody thinks Mm. it's really simple and that men are full of testosterone Mm. and women are full of estrogen. Mm. Actually, there is an overlapping area, like a Venn diagram, Mm. where you have the male circle and the female Mm. circle, but there is a crossover in the middle, and you can get just regular guys, regular women who are totally unaware mm. that their body chemistry mm. is actually on a scale, it could be closer to the opposite sex. It doesn't affect them mm. in any way, or they don't feel they're trans. Mm. That's just how they are. Mm. And probably the best known case of natural occurring testosterone in a woman is Castor Semenya. Yeah, yeah. So, but she's got a disorder, hasn't she? She's got a disorder, yeah. and it's really important to say yeah. that she's not transgender no, no, in no, any way. No, no, this all. is her natural yeah. body yeah. that generates testosterone. Mm. So Castor is an anomaly in that sense mm. in her sport. But the difference is she's not actually doing anything to her body. And I just think that if you follow down the open the door to anyone who is trans and we'll get into the, you know, the self-identification side Mm, of trans later on Mm. because there are so many different shades of trans now. You're basically saying that is the end of sport completely Mm. because you're going to end up in a situation where Castor Semenya has to take drugs to lower her natural testosterone in order to compete against transgender women who are having to take 
medication to actually mm. raise yeah. their estrogen and lower their yeah. thing. It just becomes a drug circus. But also the thing with testosterone is it's not just about testosterone, right? Because testosterone makes no, no, a difference. No. But as you say, if you go through puberty, you're going to have a bigger heart. You're going to have it's, higher bone density, yeah. bigger, all kinds of it's stuff. It's more to do with... The element is it's going through the male puberty. That is the yes. crucial thing. Yeah. I actually think that in the future, because more kids are, are talking about being trans now, and, you know, we're all more aware and more parents listen mm. and um, they get looked after. Um, in the future, a lot of kids, you know, will be identified as trans earlier on, which might some people might con find controversial in itself, but they won't actually go through... In, so from, in my case, it would have been I wouldn't have gone through a male puberty. Mm. So in that instance, in that generation, when they grow up, they will be just like a genetic woman. You know, they won't have that growth spurt. They mm. won't yeah. have all those changes that tend to happen, not exclusively, mm. uh, but tend to happen. Uh, so in the future, I don't think it's so much of a problem. But at the moment when you're, you're getting people who have grown up yeah. that way, and then moving into the women's division, it's a problem. It would be just the same, actually, just off the top of my head. If you identified somebody who was really good, let's say, at um, women's rugby mm. at the age of 14 or 15, they had a real aptitude for it. A woman, that is. Yes. A natural-born woman who had an aptitude for, for rugby at the mm. age of 14 or 15. Now, if you said, right, for five years... We're going to douse you in testosterone. We're going to bulk you up. We're going to make you even bigger, stronger, etc. And then you plonked that woman back into competing against women on the rugby pitch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Would the sports allow that? Or would they say, yeah. oh, well, hold on a sec. Yeah. 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 You've actually been doping for... Yeah. Well, it depends if Five they years. play for the Russian rugby team. Well, and, <laughs> well, I'm Russian, by the way. So. And, and that's a really good point, actually, because in the 70s, you used to be yeah. Like yeah. young whippersnappers. You won't remember those days yeah. before the internet. But in those days, certainly um, a lot of the East European yes. states, yeah. and it was state-organised. It was a programme. Yeah. I remember seeing shop putters on the telly. Yeah. Introduced as Helga, yeah. who would come on, and they were enormous. They were literally like, you know, very pale-skinned, incredible yeah. hulks. Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. incredible. Yeah. So it does happen, yeah. and it does. Oh, you know, we can all say that. Oh well, you wouldn't get that now. You know, we're better than that. But are we really mm. in yeah. sport every year? You somebody in whatever discipline and whatever sex is exposed as having used whatever is the mm, currency yeah. of the day yeah. to improve their performance. Uh, the one that, question that I wanted to ask, I mean, sport is in, in, obviously incredibly important, mm. but somebody's not going to lose their life if they lose a 100 metres race or, you know, they, they don't come first in the swimming. What about combat sport where you have somebody who was once a man, is now a woman, yeah. and then they fight, for instance, in the female MMA... Uh, somebody's life could genuinely be in danger because that person is going to be stronger and more powerful. Well, just to before you answer, we had uh, one of the leading <coughs> evolutionary psychologists mm. in the world on the show a few weeks ago, Jeffrey Miller. And one of the things he was talking about is actually there's a difference in how human skulls evolved. So the male skull is designed to take impact mm. in a way that the female skull yeah. isn't. So what you're talking about life and death here, yeah. right? Uh, well, I think that... Potentially, you could be talking about life and mm. death, absolutely. And you are correct, you know, about the, the, the bone structure mm. and the thickness, mm. um, etc. if you've gone through the male puberty. Um, the strength issue, I just want to clear that up, yeah. first of all, because if you, this is why, why trans is so complicated and it causes so many arguments. Mm. I'm, going to re I'm going to give you the simplest explanation of modern trans mm. as it is now. Yeah. So you basically have two strands mm -hmm. of trans people. Okay. You have people who do not want to go down the medical route, yeah. um, which is valid. You know, you're not hurt, hurting everybody. If yeah. you just want to, yeah. if you identify as a particular sex and you, you're happy in your body, you don't have any distress and you want to live that way, then great. You're not hurting anyone. I have no objections to that whatsoever. But then on the other strand, you have 
people who have something called gender dysphoria, mm. okay. which is like a recognized medical, medical condition. And the only way, and it's been recognized as such for the last 50 years, and the only way that the medical community have come to terms with treating it and alleviating it is for people to transition medically, which mm. is the hormones, the surgery, etc. So you, you basically change yourself as much as you possibly can to be that particular sex. Mm. Now, when people talk about trans, those two things are mixed up. Right. Yeah. So when we're talking about athletes and strength, mm. some trans athletes, the ones who have gone down the medical route, mm. such as myself, mm. when you're on hormones, actually your male physiology in terms of muscles and strength completely goes. I actually have less um, testosterone, testosterone than, than in me than a, than a natural woman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have nothing, yeah. nothing oh, really? whatsoever. Whereas women naturally have a trace. I, I now struggle, you know, big doors, all these things which people say, oh, well, you know, it's, you're just playing a gender stereotype. Believe me, it's absolutely <laughs> honest. Mm. I get bottles of pop and sometimes I can't open them. It's just ridiculous, yeah. crazy. Whereas before, it, it just wasn't an issue. Mm. Yeah. So the, the strength in sport, when we're talking about trans, mm. applies to some trans people, mm. but not But some people others. would say you still have a higher bone density. That's the important thing. Right? Yeah. yeah, so the, the advantage, which across the board would mm. apply to both those cohorts yeah. of trans yeah. people is the fact that if you've been through, and we're talking about the male puberty here, because mm. the, you know I'm not dissing any um, you know female to male mm. trans people out there, because there is no controversy around that. No, because no, they don't have a disadvantage. Guys are more chilled. You know, they're more <laughs> relaxed about it. They're not picking up a stink. <laughs> so, so, that, so that's the only that's the only reason. <laughs> it's the only reason I'm not talking about yeah. trans yeah, men. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. The, um, on, on that side of things, um, what we were talking about there? Well, yeah. So we're talking about bone density. Oh, yeah, and, the bone density. And stuff like that. Yeah. So if you've gone through the male puberty, you are going to have, skeletal-wise, a difference. Yeah. You know, in terms of thickness, length of bones, etc., which, in a sporting context at the highest level, mm. I think comes into play. I, I feel really sorry for Martina Navratilova, who oh, got yeah. a lot of shit last month for saying something. That was and unbelievable. It was that. terrible. Yeah. And do you know what? I'm really conscious. I have my differences with certain elements within the trans world of what mm. is trans and what isn't. But regardless of that, I can't abide anything that's driven by hate yeah. or bigotry. You know, I'm I'm fine with discussing or debating mm. actual points and mm. having an argument, mm. but we can still be friends at yeah. the end of it. Yeah. But I think there's a tendency, um, not just within the trans world, but in life in general, for some people just to take it so personal. They can't differentiate between an argument or a point being yeah, made yeah. and it being a personal grunge, grudge. And I think with Martina... All Martina said, it wasn't driven by hate. I mean, my God, you know, she's like an LGBT icon. Mm. She had a trans coach in yeah. the 1970s, Rennie Richards. She's been a, a supporter of trans people. Um, and all her argument was, which is the same as mine, mm. that at elite level, there is a difference and it's not fair. Yeah. And this is... It's such a challenging thing to talk about because, like I said, I've only become aware of it in the last mm. couple of years. So would you explain what is a, what is a trans person? Yeah. So just breaking it right down. What does that, that term actually mean? Well, I would have to go back to the start. Like yeah. Ye, yes. ye yeah. olden days. Yeah. So it used to be in old money, you would have, um, it, it would be split into transvestites. Yeah. And then transsexuals on that okay. side. So transvestite was essentially somebody who felt more comfortable mm. um, expressing themselves mm. for, for generally a shorter period of time as the sex opposite to 
who they are. Mm. So but a they, man who dressed as a woman as, on the weekend. Yeah, I, but they, they had no intention, and they would be quite open about that. They didn't actually want to be the opposite sex, mm. or they didn't feel any compulsion to be the opposite sex in that way. Right. Whereas transsexuals, which is, um, that's what I am, and, you know, I, I, I have no problem with the word, actually, still. Um, transsexual is when you're born with something called gender dysphoria, yeah. which is, it's almost like a disconnect, yeah. you know, from the, my earliest memory is just knowing that my body <laughs> didn't match up here. I wasn't oh, aware wow. of gender really? or anything, but yeah. I just knew it didn't match, you know, something wasn't quite right. Um, and that get, goes into this whole complicated thing of all of us used to have had a sex change. Did you know that? Because all babies mm. for the first six weeks in the womb are female. Yeah. That is oh, yeah. that is the, the template. Well, we've default. also had a species change because we <laughs> go through. Of course. Yeah. 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 So what happens, the, the, the thinking is that with transsexual people, gender people with gender dysphoria, that there's something that goes awry. So because you start off as female and obviously you're getting washed with hormones all the time mm. um, while you're in the womb, that there's some sort of disconnect and sometimes the brain area doesn't, isn't receptive to certain hormones that it's getting mm. washed in. Yeah. And which is why you end up with that, the old cliche of the, the expression, you know, my brain doesn't yeah. match my, my body so it's a disconnect and it's a bit like also have you heard of phantom limb syndrome yes yes, yes absolutely so you know there'll be cases where which are well documented where people will lose an arm or a leg in an accident but they can still feel it mm. and gender dysphoria is a bit like that your internal body map sometimes you think this, it, it, this, it's just not right and yeah. it makes you feel uncomfortable and then at times it can really get you down and just yeah. like be very mm. distressing. So for people in that situation, such as myself, I tried to ignore it and managed to for, for a long time, although it bothered me because I just didn't want to admit it. Mm. Um, but for people like that, the only recourse is to go down the medical yeah. And Rich. and how long were you? Did it bother you for? Are we talking about twenty years, thirty years? All, all my life, to differing degrees. Oh, wow. I, I can't remember a single day of my life prior to transition when I didn't wake up and literally the first thought in my head was, "This, I'm I'm in the wrong body. You know, mm. I'm a I'm a woman. I'm a girl, mm. but I'm in this. But eventually, and I can remember." Um, I can, I can remember being in primary school mm. and finding this book. We had a little library and it was full of uh, penguin stories, you know, the little penguin yeah, yeah, absolutely. books and kiddie stories and what have you. And um, you used to get taken into the library and you could go in and you would pick a book and that would be your book mm. for the week to read. And I went in and I picked this book up and it was, um, it was, it was about fables. Mm. It was like grim stories of the Grimm brothers, etc. I thought, oh, well, that's like a, a bright book. I think mm. that'll be great. And I took it home. And when I was reading this book, I read this story. Um, and it's, I think it's an old Norse fable that if you can kiss your elbow, mm. you will turn into a girl. Mm. Oh. And I can remember at the age of six, already having constantly, constantly had that conflict. I thought, this is how I do it. This is how I do it. And I spent ages, you know, trying to do this, days, weeks. And it, oh, it used to break my heart and yeah. my neck as well. You know, <laughs> trying to do it. And I just couldn't do it whatsoever. Yeah. And I can remember during that period as well, when I went to bed, I actually saying a prayer, please let me wake up, you know, in the mm. right thing. And yeah. then waking up in the morning and having a look. And it didn't happen. I'd get quite upset actually thinking about it. Mm. But but that's that's what it's like when yeah. you grow up. But then you reach a stage, or at least I did, um, you realise it's not going to happen magically. Mm. You know, yeah. Tinkerbell isn't going to come down, do all that, and mm. everything's going to be great. So when I was growing up in the 70s, it was even more taboo than it is now. Mm. Um, and I knew... The, my only reference points for people, anything close to mucking around with their gender that I would see would be either a drag queen 
on the TV, which wasn't like a drag queen now. They weren't glamorous. Yeah. They were like proper blokey blokes, yeah. but yeah. just like with a stupid wig. And they were inviting people to laugh at them and mm. mock them. Mm. And that terrified me yeah. because I thought, my God, is that, is that what I am? Is that yeah. what I'm gonna, mm. going to grow it? So it was really scary. So I thought, right, I'm just going to buckle down. Mm. And this is who I am. Maybe life won't be so bad. So I'll, I'm just going to try and switch it off and, and, try and be me. So then you learn the sort of social etiquettes and the routines yeah. of being a guy. Mm. And you know, you try and blend in and nobody notices that you're trying so much because to them on the outside, you know, you look normal. Yeah. You, they can't see inside how you're, you're feeling. So you go along with that and uh, you try and fit in. And that's, that's what I did. But it was always there until I reached I hit about 40 and um, I thought I had it under control in the sense that I knew it was part of me, mm. but I'd never done anything about it. I'd never acted on it. But then slowly in my 40s, I just started to seize up. You know, I lost all interest in like talking to people or doing things. And I had like a group of guy friends, mm. um, you know, who we go out, you know, to have a drink with and exit. But it was all, you know, like, whoa, you yeah. know, all like, like blokey sort of <laughs> chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't do the act yeah. anymore. Yeah. And I, I just, I, yeah. I couldn't do it. I just wanted to be me. Mm. And I just sort of became really withdrawn. Um, and that's when I decided to transition. So you, getting back to the, you know, the definition of trans. Yeah. So I am now just one type of trans, yeah. really. Mm. When in actual fact, and you touched on the thorny yeah, yeah, subject, yeah. which is causing all the confusion at the moment. In the last few years, there's been a real explosion yeah. mm. of different types of, I'll call it gender identity, mm. I think is the best way um, to describe it, which is all great and good. You know, I am honestly, having been through something that's caused me distress myself, mm. I think, all of us, we all know ourselves better and it's yeah. not for other people yeah. to mm. tell us what we are. My only issue and why I, I fall out with a lot of, you know, the trans organizations, the big groups like Stonewall and what have you that are, are preaching the narrative and claim to speak for all trans people is the fact that you can't put 50 different types of people under one word. Mm. Yeah. And, and the, the most crystal clear way I can give as to why that is a bad idea is that for somebody like me, having grown up as I did there, you know, having that need in me, and I've only found any peace or contentment since I transitioned. And by the way, you know, since I transitioned, after 50 years, I never think about my gender. Mm. Completely, unless somebody asks me about it, which I'm happy to talk about, it's not on my brain, whereas before it was every single day. Mm. Um, but you can't have somebody like me with gender dysphoria, transsexual, who needs medical help. You know, they need doctors. They mm. need to go through the psychology thing. They need the, the hormones. And you can't group us alongside the gender non-binary who say we need to demedicalize trans. Because if you demedicalize trans or tell a government this is what we want, we're Stonewall and we speak on behalf of all transgender people and they want us to demedicalize trans, then where does that leave, you know, the current version of me mm. who's six or seven mm. and has no escape route? You're going to end up with a situation. If you say to a government, look, you don't need to spend millions on clinics or providing this particular healthcare anymore because now all trans people want is a form that you fill in and that is all they want. Then the government's going to go, yes, fantastic. You know, the NHS is under pressure. We're going to save a fortune. This is really easy to do. There's, it's no hassle whatsoever. But it leaves transsexual people high and dry. Yeah. You're going to end up then in a situation when where transsexual people who, like everyone else, if we have an NHS and everyone's chipping in the same amount and they all have different needs and everyone says their needs are important, 
You're going to leave transsexual people unable to access the type of care that they need. Well, you know, when you're talking about uh, the, your experience of mm. it, I think there isn't a human being listening to that that wouldn't go, I, t I get it. Mm. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I I, well, I can't understand, but I, I think I understand how terrible that must be yeah. Yeah. when you don't feel like you're in your mm. own body. And, and then when you do transition, how much of a relief that is. Because, you know, yeah. listen, talking with you, you clearly are someone who's very comfortable in their own skin. Yeah, yeah very content with life, right? Um, but let me ask you this. I really don't want to have to ask this question because mm. it's, it's offensive to some it's people. okay. Yeah. Honestly. The way you're talking about it, right? There are people who would say, isn't gender dysphoria just a mental health problem? Mm. You know, if, you, if your daughter came to you and said, you know, Daddy, I self-identify as a girl with no arms. Let's cut my arms mm. off, right? Most parents would, would, of course. wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't go they wouldn't with that. They wouldn't do right? that. So how do, how, how do we try and understand that? And how do you maybe counter that? Or what are your thoughts on that argument, let's say? Uh, well, my thoughts on that are, because, you know, it's not a new thing. That's the other thing that seems to be very much from critics of trans at the moment. Mm -hmm. Certainly if you read all the tabloids, mm. Um, and, and watch certain programs, you might get the impression that there are secret NHS conveyor belts somewhere whipping in five-year-olds and rushing them through and they're going in mm. as Bob and they're coming out as Barbara. Well, mm. first of all, we all know that nobody on the NHS mm. gets any treatment like that. Mm. Secondly, doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, can you imagine that if they gave somebody, a child, mm. a quick sex change at a young age and it went wrong? No, they're going to be terrified, yeah. you know. So it's, it's not like it's portrayed mm. to the general public. Mm. Right. It is a long, drawn-out process. Mm. And what the criteria actually is to be diagnosed. This is on the medical side again. Mm. I've got. I'm sorry. I have to keep going over this distinction. Oh, really no, no, no. There it's are two important. different types of trans. Yeah. So this is for children. Yeah. Who, in your analogy there, who, who consistently say, yeah. you know, Daddy, I think I'm a boy. I think yeah. I think I'm a girl. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, the criteria for the medical pr uh, yeah. profession is consistent and persistent which isn't the same as a fad. Now, if, if you go through a stage of being, say, a tomboy, mm. yeah. for instance, that might last, I don't know, a few months, yeah. six months or so, but you would, sti you, you would still be doing other things. Mm. It's like how we all have you know, questions about our sexuality uh, of course, when yeah, we're growing things, up. Things come along and yeah. ebb and flow. And <laughs> <laughs> but all, that, all of that is completely yeah. normal. Yeah. You know, for all children, you know, mm. to question who they are, yeah. oh, that's a yeah. natural, yeah. healthy thing. Yeah. But with transsexual people um, who have gender dysphoria, mm. we do know right from the start, just as much as you, mm. I'm guessing, probably have never questioned, I don't know the way you're looking at me, no, no, but <laughs> I'm guessing. That's <laughs> what I love about trigonometry. <laughs> I'm guessing you probably never questioned your sex no no uh, ever ever no, ever never, never. so just as much as you're sure that that is the mm. case in my situation yeah. then we we have that every day you know until it's resolved we're it's as if you've, you've broken your you know when you've broken your arm mm. yeah you know you can feel it you know it's not right yeah the, the thing that i found actually really quite moving is the fact that you talking about your experience and essentially, you are having to live a lie for the mm. majority of your life. And that must be so painful. The it knowledge was. that you can never actually be yourself at any point, And you are always having to have this mask on. I, I'm sorry. I just actually no, no, quite... No, it was. It, 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 it used to, the first five or six years were actually horrible because I knew I, I, I knew I couldn't talk about it yeah. to anyone in the 70s. Yeah, because of that era, um, and it used to really upset me. Um, but then, when I, people say, you know, how did you learn to be a woman? Yeah. <laughs> and they've actually got it the wrong way around. Yeah. Because I can remember as a kid, it was actually learning to be a guy yeah. wow. and and a boy. Mm. And I can remember a really young age, just you know, not having that comfortableness. And so I thought, right, I'm going to consciously watch guys, you know, see how they interact, because all the social etiquettes are different. 
And again, you know, radical feminists would say, oh, well, that's just learned behavior. You know, there is no such thing as gender. The entire gender thing is made up, whereas I disagree. Maybe parts of it are made up. But if you look at lots of animal species, Mm. you know, gender is very, very distinct. The the one I always give is the lion. And in in the lion world, it's Mrs. Lion who actually goes out and does the hunting. And dad stays at home. Now, that's not because they've been to some PC class (laughs) about bringing up a family. To be fair, the lion does fuck all work. (laughs) Let's be honest. It just sits there. (laughs) So, so, you know, there is a difference between the genders. And I remember as a kid looking at boys and thought, that's how I've got to act. And that was the learning bit. That was yeah. the hard bit mm. for me. Yeah. Once I, even when I, you know, I'd spent half my life playing that character mm. and actually losing myself in it so much. But when it came to the point, you know, when I transitioned and I thought, right, this, I can't do this anymore. Mm. This is the last day mm. I pretend to be a guy. I'm not dressing as a guy anymore. I'm just going to be me. As soon as I did that, it just, Everything came, you know, just yeah. as I am mm. now. It wasn't like a learned thing at all. Mm. Uh, there are, and but there are cases, and mm. what the your case is really, you know, inspirational. Um, there are cases of people who, when they transition, they almost they 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 think that it's going to solve their problems, but it yeah, doesn't. That's a good point. And you know, and then sometimes they wish to transition back, or there's quite a few cases of people then going on and realizing this hasn't solved my problems, and then committing suicide. Mm. Could you explain a, a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, 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 there's, a, there's a few issues there. I'll, yeah. I'll just clarify them up. Um, the actual detransitioning yeah. rates uh, for transgender people, despite what the papers say, are really low. I mean, you're talking single percent figures. Yeah. Mm. So for 90, I think it's 95 or 96 percent of people who actually transition in mm. a physical sense. Yeah. There is no regret. They're, they're cured, if you like. You know, they, yeah. they go on to lead happy, fulfilling, normal lives within society, mm. having jobs, mm. raising their families, all those sorts of things. And the reason, excuse me, I've had a gassy drink. So <laughs> come a about that. The reason why I'm actually in favor of keeping trans medicalized mm. to some degree is that in order to transition at the moment down the medical route, it's a big decision. Mm. It is a one-way ticket. So nobody wants to get it wrong. You know, the patient wants to be absolutely sure that this Mm. is right for them Mm. and all the professionals doing the surgery and the the work Mm. that's involved with a a medical transition, they want to be 100% sure that there's no kickback. Now, at the moment, because the the rates of detransitioning are so small... They're doing a pretty good job, you know, during that long drawn out vetting mm. period mm-hmm. of saying, actually, this isn't suitable mm. for you. So we're knocking you out of the line. You're, you're not going to be able to transition. The odd one will get through because everybody can put on a front yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. a lot of people um, can feel genuinely that they need to transition, but then after going through the evaluations with the psychologist, they might come to an understanding that actually this isn't going to make me happy. Mm. This mm. isn't the route um, for me. Um, so at the moment, that tends, the, system, the current system we have at the moment tends to weed out or identify. Weed out's wrong because it sounds as if they're doing it for bad reasons. Mm. I think the current system works in a good way for all parties concerned to make sure it's the right decision. But if you go down the self-identity route, which is what is being proposed at the moment, and I I do like parts of it, but I really don't like other parts of it, you're going to do away with all of those evaluations, potentially, Mm. because it's a slippy slope. If self-ID becomes a system where you can fill in a form and you can go to your GP and say, I filled in this form, This is my human right to transition. Mm. Give me the drugs and do the surgery. And I don't want any nosy Parker asking any questions. This is what I was going to ask. Your detransitioning route and the the, the level of mistakes is going to increase. And the, the, the backlash from that is that 
all the critics who I despise, you know, the people who, who shout bigotry and hate at all types of trans people, whether mm. they're self-identified or not, mm. I have no time for them whatsoever. Mm. But it's, it's just going to put fuel on their fa fire. Yeah. They're going to say, well, here's the stats. Yeah. You know, we now have 25% of people saying it's the wrong things to mm. do. Stop all transitioning. It's dangerous and it's putting people at risk. I was going to ask you about that because... You know, listening to your story, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if you could have transitioned when you were five, you would have done. Oh, definitely. Right? 100%. And a lot of people would say, I hear your story, I understand that. And yet, if my, let's say, my son or my daughter came to mm. me and said, you, you know, we don't let five-year-olds vote right. or drive or drink mm. or smoke or do any of these things. And yet this is such a fundamental decision about yeah. that person's life. You'd be worried though, Constantine, if you're, if you're, have you got I don't have kids? kids, no. Got kids? I, I just have imaginary kids that I use for the purposes of <laughs> so the podcast. Your imaginary child, if mm. your kid said that to yeah. you, quite naturally, you would be worried. You would have lots of questions, I'm mm. sure. Yeah. Um, but if, again, if I can just explain what happens when a child mm. does open up to their parents, how they feel. If, the, if they're good parents, mm. and obviously they don't sort of lock them in a room or put them in a straitjacket um, or stick them in the attic and they go and see a doctor, um, the process is something like this. Nobody rushes in to any decisions. So the first thing that would happen would be that the professional, the GP, um, maybe a psychologist would spend time with the child. It wouldn't be like a heavy chat. It would be, as far as the child was concerned, it would just be like a normal conversation. Mm. But obviously the psychologist would be picking up um, certain things. Then you might get to a stage where uh, the GP or the psychologist, if they thought it was gender dysphoria, which again is a medical recognized condition, if mm. they thought it was GD, they would say, right, well, what we're gonna do, we're gonna tread carefully. Um, let's try some time with keep the life as normal at school. So if it's if it was my situation, for instance, you know, I would still go to school as a boy. Nobody would know about mm. it whatsoever. But then when you come home, you know, spend time as a girl mm. for three hours or whatever. This is with the parental consent, everyone just acting normal. And when you do that over a period of time, they probably keep a diary for about a year or so. Mm -hmm of how you, how you feel, what's your mood, um, all, of, all of these symptoms. And then they would come to a decision around the time of puberty, so, you know, 11, 12, just before mm. it kicks in, and they would look at the evidence that they have at that stage. Mm. And if you have a child who, from the age of, say, five to 12, you know, just imagine that for a minute, that's seven years, mm. seven years. And every day when they looked at that diary, had been happier as a girl, mm. but when they were a boy, they were unhappy. Then to me, I think that's enough evidence. Mm -hmm. You know, seven years, it's not being a tomboy. Mm. It's not a phase that you go through or a fad. I think that Seven years. Imagine spending seven years in a jail. And that's where it is effectively. Mm. It's, it's a, a prison. It's like being in locked in syndrome. You're trapped inside. Um, and I think personally, some people might disagree. I think that sort of length of time where you have all of these professionals involved who are treading very carefully, I think it's the right thing to do. Because the professionals, I, in, a, in a very good way, they don't want people to transition. And I don't want people to transition either. It is a last resort. It's a really hard life because of all the stigma. Nobody, anyone who would want to transition thinking it's going to be a bed of roses mm. is wrong. It really isn't. When you transition medically, it's something that you have to do. It's mm. not a choice. I try to fight it. All my life, as I've said earlier on, I tried to switch it off and ignore it, but it just will not go away because you, none of us can run, us, run away from ourselves. Mm. And what advice would you give somebody who has feels that they have been having this mm. 
and they've been in the, uh, closeted is probably the best way yeah, of describing yeah, that's it. Yeah, right. How would you? What would advice would you give them if somebody is going through and, and feels that they have had this and they're carrying this burden? Yeah, well, well thankfully, it's a lot better now than the, the 70s. And, you know, there are resources that you can go to. Um, if you go to the right places online, uh, Mermaids is probably the best charity uh, mm. for children. They give some great advice. Um, and just generally, you know, find somebody you can talk to about it. Don't bottle it up like I did because it's just horrible, you know, and it, and it will ultimately affect you. Um, the downside at the moment is while the internet is a good thing in having <laughs> all the resources, mm. uh, if you go to the right sites and you're careful where you go, um, just be a little bit careful still, sadly, about using Twitter, um, online forums, etc. It depends on the individual how strong you feel as a person, I think just being brutally honest, I mean, I, I'm a confident person and, you know, I consider myself quite strong in that sense. Um, but I get so much shit on Twitter just for being trans, mm. basically. And sometimes it doesn't bother me, but then other times, like any other person, you know, if you've had a shitty week mm. and then you come home and switch on your phone and you've got all this abuse and you you haven't actually done anything mm. you're just yeah. being you mm. but you get some idiot ranting at you for being you then it can make you depressed you mm. know it can get you really really down so if you're if you're at a fragile stage and feeling gender dysphoric uncertain i think the first protocol is i would i would have no hesitation go and see your gp start the wheels rolling in terms of being evaluated mm. and the initial stage of the whole process is talk you will sit with professionals who will have big discussions about you um with you um and just find out who you are how you how are you going to feel and and come to a conclusion whether that is the right thing for you to do I was going to, if you don't mind, Francis, yeah, yeah, I was going to ask, uh, one of the issues you discussed on, uh, on <clears throat> TV recently was misgendering, mm. right? And, and that may be an area of where I, I, I'm someone who really believes in free speech to the point where unless someone's inciting violence, they shouldn't be able to say what they want, yeah. right? And, that, and that's a sensitive area. But before we get to that, um, there are these turf feminists, mm. these trans... So turf is T-E-R-F, so yeah. that's trans-exclusionary radical feminists and they're, they're essentially um if you think in, in in racial terms for instance they're like the bnp <laughs> of gender yeah. in that they don't believe trans people are a real thing whatsoever so, so what they say to to put it crudely and literally is trans women aren't are women absolutely That's what right yeah. and again we're not talking about the men's you know trans yeah. men's well, side I don't think because they that's, that's yeah. not an issue the guys are all <laughs> it, it's just the radical feminist yeah. but the, the, the root if you like of the reason that they don't like trans people is radical feminists and it's important to distinguish radical feminists from everyday feminists because mm. most everyday feminists are actually on trans women's side mm. they're really welcoming they've embraced us they're absolutely cool with it it's the radical wing uh, that have an issue. And the problem that they have is their thinking on the subject is that all gender in a human sense is completely made up. So if you're a transgender person mm. saying, I've, there's something wrong, I've, I've got this internal feeling mm. that I'm the other person, that is a complete conflict with what they believe. So the existence of trans people in a legitimate sense more or less destroys their argument that mm. all gender is socially made up. Because if you follow their line, all transgender people ever in the world have just been acting. Yeah. You know, I've been putting on this act so I can go home get loads of abuse on Twitter <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh, it's such, I'm having such a good time. This is great. You know, I've never enjoyed myself or, uh, ever before. Um, so that, that is the, 
the cutting edge, if you like, of the conflict between TERFs hmm. and trans people. But the, the other thing they, they will say is, you know, we've created this female-only spaces and now these people are coming mm. in there and, you know, someone just needs to say, abracadabra, I'm a, I'm a woman now and they've still got a penis and suddenly they're in the woman's bathroom or yeah. in a woman's mm. prison. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A, a rapist with a penis in a woman's yeah. prison. Yeah. Right? So... Th those issues, I think the, the gender construction, I get it, but on those issues, yeah. they're more practical. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, I'm going to try and explain those yeah, because, again, again, as with a lot of these things, I agree with some aspects of mm. it and some I don't. Um, first of all, the actual official stats for the argument that TERS will put forward in that, you know, if you allow transgender p women into the women's bathroom... Mm. We're all going to get beat up. We're going to get murdered. We're going to get raped. Well, actually, do you know, transgender women have been peeing since time began. <laughs> Guess where they've been going, mm, right? Yeah. It just hasn't been a public thing whatsoever, um, you know, a discussion as mm. such. There are no stats whatsoever to say there's been a spike mm. in the last few years of attacks on women from transgender people. What you will find is the odd highlighted case from Ontario mm. or Los Angeles mm. or Calcutta or wherever they mm. can find one in the world. But that's just bad people. You know, p bad people do bad things. Mm. And the actual idea, if you sit down and consciously think about it, even with self-ID, the rules of self-ID that are being proposed are that you get the form, you fill it in, but you then still have to go to a solicitor who will rubber stamp it and you need a witness and you have to hand in the documents, you know, for your old identity, mm -hmm. etc. Now, let's just have a hypothetical scenario here. So I'm a sex pest, okay? And I have one name as the old me. And I think, do you know what? This self-ID is going to help me reach women. Mm. I'm going to pop along to Blogs and Blogs, the local solicitor. Mm. <laughs> Here's my driving license. Here's my passport. Uh, my name from now on is going to be Mildred, and this is my address. Great, fine. There's your certificate. You're a woman. Trot off to the local bogs, right? You go in. You wait on a woman come in. You attack her. The cops get called. Cops kind of, they come in, and you're there attacking, and you're waving a bit of paper and saying, oh, I'm a woman. I'm entitled to be here. Well, first of all, the, that piece of paper is not going to stop the cops arresting you. Mm. But secondly, what license have you got? The solicitor has your name and address. Mm. They know who you are. Mm. You, you have no protection whatsoever. So on a safety level, using toilets and changing rooms, it's not an issue. So on that respect, I don't agree with the TERF's argument. I think where there is a distinction mm. and, and a valid one, and I think people, you know, 99% of the population would agree me, with me on this, I think in areas such as prisons, mm. and there's a horrendous case, which I'm, you've probably heard of, um, somebody called Karen White. And I'm, not, yes. I'm just going to call them a somebody yeah. because I don't even believe it, you know, the actual reasons behind her, that person being Karen White, mm. were necessarily legitimate. Mm. And I think in a prison scenario, if you have some, someone, and I can't believe the prison authorities allowed this to happen, mm. if you have someone in a prison for sexual offences with a male anatomy who decides to identify as female and adopts a female na name mm. and just for those three things is then put into the female estate with, women's, with women, mm. then you're asking for trouble. You know, mm. it's, I think it was absolutely outrageous mm. that that happened. So for me, if I was prime minister, which is a possibility. <laughs> um, Are you announcing your career? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, the way the country's going, yeah. let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. Us, we yeah. could, we could, we, the three of us, we could do it. Yeah. And um, I think if I, if, I, if I was in charge, I think my red line mm. in terms of prisons would be that it, if you had a male anatomy mm. and you were in for those type of offences, then you, I'm sorry, you just don't get to go in mm. Mm. the women's area. Mm. Yeah. It just seems ludicrous to me. Yeah. I think that makes so much sense. And I, I, this is one of the most illuminating interviews that we've done. We've mm. spoken to over 50 people by now, probably. 
And I think one of the things that happens online, and I think we're all guilty of it, is when we don't know something or we don't know somebody, we, we dehumanize them and yeah, it just becomes yeah. a theory. Yeah. Oh, trans people are like this or yeah. these people are like that. And when, when you come and talk about it and you explain what it's like, mm. what, where you're coming from, and also you have a very rational, balanced approach mm. to it. I think that makes such a difference. To, I think people on both sides can actually listen to that and go, mm. well, you know what? Yeah, you know, let women, trans women pee where they want. Yeah. But we, yeah. Let's protect women in prison. Yeah. Because it just occurred to me as you were thinking, if you were a sex pest and a guy, there's nothing really stopping you from going into a woman's bathroom I, in the first place. Yeah. 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 A sex yeah. pest is a sex yeah. pest, whether yeah. it's a woman or a man. You yeah. know, they're, they're, and again, you know, certain groups will bridle at this, but there are violent lesbians out there who will attack mm. women. Um, you know, the, another common argument that's put forward um, recently was about the fact that the girl guides had agreed to take, you know, trans girls uh, within their cohorts. Mm. That's not a risk. You know, the, the argument was that, oh, well, you can't have boys sleeping with girls. Well, first of all, they're not boys because if you've got gender dysphoria, you, you're not feeling like a boy. Yeah. How many boys would actually dress as... Can you imagine the stick? Think oh, back God. to your six or seven-year-old mm. yeah. age mm. and yeah. when you, you tell your mum you're joining the brownies... Yo, uh, you wouldn't do it. It just wouldn't happen, would it? No, it wouldn't. You would have to be really committed. Oh, absolutely, you would. I remember I used to get in growing toenails, and one day <laughs> I turned up to school in a pair of sandals, and I just got destroyed. Uh, the, 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 my nickname was Nike Jerusalem. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah, so cool. yeah. That sounds like a rap name. Yeah, yeah. It, but I just remember that my the entire existence yeah. just got eviscerated, and the thought that somebody would actually willingly do that and. Boys are ruthless of course. At, that, at that age. Your, your life would be miserable yes. as a boy, yeah. wouldn't it? It would be absolutely terrible. Yeah. So you're not going to get a regular boy mm. doing that. And then the other argument uh, uh, that sort of, in my terms, destroys this argument that trans girls shouldn't be allowed in the, uh, the guides... There will be girls in there. And again, I'm not saying that it's wrong. It's absolutely natural and perfectly okay. But obviously there will be girls in that room that are actually attracted yeah, of course. to girls. Mm. Now, that trans girl probably isn't mm. attracted. So which one, if you're going to use that argument, is potentially more risky? And the, the interesting point on that Girl Guides um, story as well is that the scouts had been accepting girls since the 1970s. <laughs> so it was all right for girls mm. to go into the scouts and go on camping trips and spend time away with the boys. But it's not okay in 2013 for trans girls to go with mm. the girls. I think what it's crazy. I think what we can all learn from this conversation is that men are far more relaxed than women. <laughs> I, do you know what? It's the best thing. Yeah. Sexist. <laughs> no, no, it's true. And I, <laughs> it is absolutely true. So, so many of my girlfriends, yeah. and I understand why. Yeah. And I, in my old life, I never really got what they were talking about, but I totally get it now. And a lot of my girlfriends yeah. now, uh, they all say, oh, we much prefer the company of guys. Mm. It's much better because it's not this. I do think... That I love being a woman, and obviously yeah. I am on team woman yeah. 100%. Um, but I think there's this feeling that one side has it so much better mm. than yeah. the other. When again, the truth is, believe me, there are bits of shit on both sides. Yeah. No team has it easy. Yeah. They're just different yeah. crap bits, that's mm. all. Mm. Um, and the crap bit about being a woman is it's a different sort. I think with guys, if guys don't like you or have or have an issue, you do a podcast together. You do a podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you probably speak about you know you yeah. you'll, you'll sort of have it out yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, thing, yeah. And, yeah. you know, and yeah. then that will be the end yeah, of it. Yeah. And it's like really simple to understand. 
Whereas on the woman's side, it's so much more oh, complicated. The layers. You, you can be speaking to someone who's got the sweetest smile yeah. on their face and you have no idea yeah. what is going in. So that is uh, yeah, difficult. Yeah, we like to end every episode of Chiganomicho on a nice good old-fashioned <laughs> bit of sexism. It's going to get everybody in trouble. Yeah, to no. appeal to our Russian viewers. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, no. Uh, we, we like, <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now you see what I was saying before we started the show. Uh, India, it's been absolutely, you know, it's been one of the, one of the most eye-opening interviews we've done. And I think just to humanize everybody on all these sides and to bring people together, that yeah. is yeah. one of the reasons that we started the show is yeah. we wanted to detoxify the whole conversation about mm. every issue that we talk mm. about. Yeah, well, I think that's a really good thing. And, and just the last thing that I would say is that I, I think trans people generally across the media at the moment, they're, they're seen as caricatures, yeah. almost like cartoon figures. Mm. They have one role. And in a TV sense, you know, for me, for instance, you know, even though I've been a journalist for like 30, 40 years talking about every topic under the sun, um, there is only one box in a media frame, yeah. even now for trans people, and that is to go on and argue for your existence. Mm. Or if you're an actor, invariably, you know, you'll end up playing a prostitute or a dead body on a mortuary slab because mm. we've cornered the market mm. in those roles. And that is all that exists. And I think when we get to a stage that just normal life and normal visible things on the TV, radio and newspapers they just show trans people doing stuff, but they don't refer to the trans mm. aspect. That's when we get past it. I did something yesterday, this interview with the paper, and the intro was, and it was, uh, it was transgender journalist in G. Willoughby. And I was thinking, why is it? And I just don't get it. You know, yeah. why, why do you have mm. to put the transgender yeah. bit in? Yeah, I, I can talk about yeah. it, but... Yeah. I agree with it's you. It's not my be-all and end-all. Of course not. That's of course it. not. But in our defense, because we've just Oh, spent... no, no, no. Yeah. I, that, that wasn't very easy. I've loved it. Yeah, it's, it's been great. lovely. You know, what I was going to say is, in our defense, I think it's an issue that is not understood well. Yes, yet. Yeah. I get that So, well, so when we have days. someone who is interesting, articulate, I get it. Yeah. you know, they know how to talk about these issues that we can speak to, it's a rarity. Yeah. Which is why when we talk to you, it's about that issue. Mm. Uh, that's not to say that there isn't other great <laughs> work that you do, of course. Um, but listen, before we let you go, and thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. It's been uh, a pleasure. What is the one thing that we're not talking about that we as a society ought to be talking about? It can be related to the trans thing, mm -hmm. or this is your one chance to break out of the box if you want to. Um, I think for me, it's pavement etiquette. Mm. I think it's a real problem. <laughs> you know, people, and I, particularly in London, because obviously I'm from up north, mm. and coming down here, and I can't believe cockneys, how do you all do it? People are walking around in London, and if you're walking head on to someone, they will not budge. Mm. Yeah. It, you, you will always yeah. get nose to nose, and it's like the chicken run. They're not getting out of the way. But, and but, then you end up moving away. And then you get this ridiculous thing where people have like their earphones on, yeah. their heads down, they're texting. They've like absolved all responsibility for mm. having a crash, a pavement yeah. accident, and they're walking. And that responsibility goes on you. So you have to keep your wits around you to see, avoid I'm, all these lemons. I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I'm South London. So when I see that, I just tense the left shoulder. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 no, I just tense it. And then when they hit, they bounce off. That's what I do. Fuck them. This, this, <laughs> this is how you know India is a very special person. She's managed to find a cockney left in London. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. Yeah, yeah, there's there's not, not many. Bloody immigrants no. like me coming yeah, over here. Yeah. Um, all right, well, they're all in Essex, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're absolutely. Or they self identify as cockneys. <laughs> <Yeah>. mm. <laughs> all in Essex where they belong. No. Okay, we've lost all our cockney <laughs> viewers. Who else have we offended so far? Essex. Essex yeah. are Russians. Yeah, Russians. Yeah. All right. I've never liked you because you're half <laughs> Venezuelan, so let's offend the Venezuelans as well. Um, listen, thank you so much for coming on. You're on Twitter. You're quite active on there. Yeah. Tell everybody your Twitter handle. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, I, do you know what? I'm not sure. I think it's India Willoughby. Well, we'll put it, Just in, India we'll Willoughby. Put it in the video. That's it. Yeah, yeah, put it in the video. Yeah. Uh, and where else, uh, talk, where else can people find uh, your broadcasting, your work, other things? Where can they find stuff that um, you do? Well, I, I crop up all over the place, mm. to be honest. Mm. You know, I, I often crop up probably like once or twice a month on Good Morning Britain. Mm. 
uh, with Piers and Susanna. Um, I do a lot of stuff on talk radio as well with the Matthew Wright show mm. um, with Kevin O'Sullivan, the, the TV critic. And uh, just about any daytime program, there's a chance that I'll be cropping up at some stage. Fantastic. Brilliant well, stuff. follow India on Twitter. As always, follow us at TriggerPod on all the social media. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're not already a fanboy or fangirl. Uh, click the bell or button. gender non-binary. <laughs> oh. Stop being <laughs> Russian. <laughs> you see, you see, you see, this is the bigotry that I have to deal with in this country on a daily basis. This is why Brexit needs to happen so Francis can be deported back to Venezuela. This is what it's about. Uh, follow us on all the social media. Uh, click the bell button next to the subscribe button. Subscribe on YouTube. Leave us an iTunes review. You can listen to the podcast, as many of you know, as well as watching it here on YouTube. Uh, and we will see you in the week from now with another brilliant episode. Absolutely. And also, guys, please check to see if you've been unsubscribed. If you have, please subscribe again. Let us know and uh, we'll try and do something about it. But once again, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And see you next week. Well, no, Francis won't see you next week because he's been taken away and shot. <laughs> by Constantine. By me cool. personally. No, no, by me personally. <laughs> okay. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye, bye. Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.